Hello there and welcome to an episode of The Way of the Leader. And in today's episode, I'm going to be taking you through this connection between wine and self-worth. And it sounds quite strange when you think about it first and foremost, you know, like what does wine have to do with self-worth? But actually, there's quite a lot that we can get from this to think about yourself as a wine master. So this is a big deal. And if you remember, I put up in a previous episode, the seven levels of energy. And one of the things in there is the second level, which is a self-defense kind of level. It's conflict. And what's quite interesting is that people usually get into conflict. And conflict is usually this idea of there are two sides to everything, this binary thinking, right? And binary thinking can be quite harmful to a person. In the short term, binary thinking creates a lot of uh, motivation, it creates a lot of movement, and it creates a lot of pressure to perform. So it can be useful. But for a long-term strategy, binary thinking actually creates a lot of stress. Cortisol jacks up. And because of that, because of the emotional impact of perceiving things as binary, we can actually suffer uh, very stressful sleep, you know, and sleep impacts heart rate variability. Heart rate variability impacts the amount of strain that you can take on, which impacts health, which impacts sleep, which impacts uh, how does food, um, you know, get processed in your body. Uh, one example of this is if you've got high jacked up cortisol from, you know, stress, then what happens is that jacks up your uh, blood sugar spikes as well, which also then leads to higher insulin spikes, which of course is like the number one correlation between, um, you know, all-cause mortality. So there's a, there's a lot to do with stress um, and how we perceive things in the brain. So getting out of that state of conflict is a big deal, that binary thinking state. And so how do we do this? So I'll tell you the story of uh, what was going on with a client of mine. So this client is going to um, this big event and this client as well was starting to talk to me about, um, you know, it's tough because there's so many smart people in the room, so many successful people in the room, so many skilled people in the room that I feel like, what the hell am I doing here? And, you know, that's something that's very relatable. It's also very natural to think like that. A lot of, a lot of us, we obviously think by comparison. Our brains are comparative machines. You know, this is how we operate in terms of our value. You know, what is valuable and what is not? Well, we put two things together and we make judgments about them. That's a very natural process. So the only way that we can avoid this is by seeing these two things as so completely different. And the way that I like to, uh, you know, address this with my clients is to take them through what I call the sommelier exercise or the wine master exercise. And so this exercise is this concept of don't see yourself as fighting someone else or in conflict or in competition with someone else, but rather... See yourself as a wine master, right? So I'll explain this a little bit more in a bit. But a wine master doesn't see themselves in conflict with the client. Rather, they see themselves in service of the client. And one of the biggest things about this is being able to say, uh, ask a lot of good questions to the client to find out what they value and then be able to use the sum of who you are to be able to see if you can find a fit for this client. And that's a big deal as well. So the concept that comes here is one of, okay, well, let's look at this. If a client comes to me and um, I'm a wine master, I would say to them, okay, cool. Uh, what, what is it? What is it that I can help you with? Well, you're looking for a wine. Okay, well, what food do you typically eat on a regular basis that I can then um, recommend a wine that would pair nicely with that food? Okay, cool. What kind of flavors do you enjoy? So I can pair a wine 
that that goes together with your tastes your preferences things like that okay cool what kind of history do you have with wine like i mean you know do you have you evolved your tastes over time and therefore i can predict the evolution as well you know is it something that you have other preferences for as well like oh no you get a lot of headaches so i have to recommend a particular wine that's like i don't know tannin or nitrates free or whatever you know i'm not a wine person i don't drink but you know the metaphor still stands very well and then after that it's also this idea of preferences by asking things like well do you have regions that you prefer or do you have um, particular pricings that you need to pay attention to or is price is money you know not a consideration can we just go sky's the limit and so based on all of those i will use the sum total of all my experience to be able to recommend things to you and basically we go on this journey together and i'm trying to collaborate with you rather than see this as a pass fail type of thing so you can imagine a lot of beginner wine masters they see this as like am i am i recommending the right wine well right and wrong there we go conflict and so therefore you're going to see this as like Every single time you work with a client, it's going to be super stressful. And you're going to see yourself as pass-fail. Oh, the client uh, felt that it was the wrong wine or something like that. Whereas finding, oh, this is the wrong wine to recommend to someone. Okay, you didn't enjoy that wine. So that means that I've eliminated, you know, a piece of information in my mind. And I can go, now go to the next one. What is the next wine that I would recommend after that and after that? And you will try different things and be able to evolve your recommendations over time. Um, and in that session as well, to be able to find the best value for that client. So it's coming from the mindset of, I want to collaborate with this client, and I've I've got to um, go through iterations. You know, the first recommendation isn't necessarily a failure. It's the first, um, the first piece of input that I, I can then iterate on. So thinking as a wine master, we get out of that point. So let's Let's rewind a little bit and say, okay, well, how does this metaphor work in real life? So like I said, my client believed, um, what am I doing in this room? I'm not, you know, like I don't belong here. There's all these super smart people, super skilled, super successful people. And he said to me, you know, the one thing that I've got is that I can, you know, do this action better than anyone else in the room. And I said to him, well, that's great. It's a great way to find value for yourself. Absolutely. It's a starting point. And let's upgrade that. Because if someone comes into that room accidentally, surprisingly, uh, unexpectedly, who can actually do that one thing better than you can, you know, what impact would that have on your, on your feelings of self-worth? And therefore, what impact would that have on your ability to then interact in that, um, in that session? And he's like, well, that would ab absolutely impact me. That would, that would change, you know, I'd probably shrink away, start doubting myself, things like that. And I'm like, right. So when we come back to this idea of like, well, where do you get this self-confidence from? It's by not seeing yourself in opposition to people. And for us to do that, what we need to do is think about, and this is an exercise I take people through all the time, is the three things that really make you a unique person, right? So the first one is going to be your skills. Your collection of skills is a big deal, right? What is your collection of skills? So of course, most people focus on the skills with work, like, oh, I'm the best accountant, manager, this, that, the next thing. But you've also got a whole branch of other skills that you can bring to the table that come from the sum of your experience as well. So, you know, what skills do you have that don't necessarily show themselves at work or that aren't typically perceived as as valuable in work, but you can absolutely bring them to the table as well. So for example, you know, maybe... Um, 
you know, in your normal life, you actually plan a lot for making sure that things run smoothly in the morning. You know, if you're like me, uh, when I wake up in the morning, I've got a checklist of things to do, like make sure the dogs have gone outside and done their business and then they come inside and then I run through this, this, this and that. And I actually find that that doesn't necessarily show up in my work. I like to be a lot more free in my work, but it's still a skill I have to run through a list, a checklist where I'm responsible for other people. But in my work, I'm only responsible for me, so I don't run through that checklist. And so how can I bring that more in when I'm serving a client? So there's a lot of other things. You know, if you're a parent, if you're a, a pet owner, you know, there's, there's all kinds of skills that do come in. Family, friends, there's all kinds of skill work that come in with managing relationships as well, or just managing life in general, managing your emotions. And so what are these skills? So I highly recommend you think about what are the five skills that you are the most proud of at work? But then also, what are the five skills that you are most proud of outside of work that you find yourself like having pride in accomplishing things when you use these skills, that they challenge you, that other people don't necessarily have as well? Okay, so that's skills. Now, skills can come from two places, right? And so we'll talk about each of these other two places as well. The first one, uh, sorry, the first thing, so it's going to be actually skills is number one, and then the second thing to talk about as being a wine master and perceiving this metaphor as a way to change your perception. The second thing is your history. So everybody has a unique history. Where did they grow up? How did they grow up? Who did they grow up around? Um, you know, how did they evolve? How did their life change? What are the particular events that happened to you in the past that has shaped who you are today, that has shaped your perspectives on life and on value and things like that. So think about the top five things that have shaped you in your past that stand out to you as this is who I identify as because of these 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 uh, five things, these five events. And then, so number one is skills. Number two is your history. And number three is just who are you? Who are you? What kind of personality traits and quirks do you bring to the table that you just naturally are? Are you a naturally funny person? Do you enjoy making jokes? Um, what are you naturally attracted to? What do you enjoy? What are you very curious about? And all of these things will bring up um, this huge sense of, I am a, this person. I am ambitious. I am intellectual. I am, uh, you know, like what do you gravitate towards naturally? And when you wake up in the morning without effort, what do you naturally, uh, who, who are you without effort? And so doing is effort. So I always talk about the idea that, you know, skills, sometimes our skills are bad. Sometimes their skills are good. Um, our skills evolve over time as well. And when we compare our skills to other people, our skills could be matched. Um, you know, we could be worse than other people, better than other people at our skills. So our history helps us to kind of mitigate this comparison. But doing is still effort. Whereas being is effortless. This, this concept is, of course, one of the core energy principles um, in core energy coaching. Being is effortless. So who are you effortlessly? What does an effortless you look like? So even on bad days, you're still going to be drawn and attracted to certain things. You're still going to do certain things because that's just part of who you are. And identifying who you are. Oh, I'm just naturally a person who likes to understand things. And so who we are is very much tied to what do we like? You know, what kind of things do we like to lean into? 
What are we naturally curious about? What do we naturally enjoy? What do we naturally appreciate? And um, pay attention to next week's episode because next week's episode, or rather the next episode of depending on delays and things like that, I don't want to promise next week. But um, the idea is that the next episode, I'll actually run through um, a lot of the work around these that that I've developed with um, my clients as well that I've found to be very successful. But who are you naturally? Oh, I'm a person who, and finish it with five things. I'm a person who naturally likes these things, naturally does these things, naturally enjoys these things, um, naturally is drawn to these things, these perspectives. And what you will find is that there could also be five things that people say about you that you are as well. I never identified as a kind person when I was younger because for me, I wanted to be like, the ruthless, take control, you know, like because I never saw myself as strong or powerful. I always wanted that for myself because I saw it as a way to fix all my problems. And now I realize that kindness is actually some natural quality that I have. And the result of that is that it actually comes out of me much more now that I, uh, I've i owned that and I can be empowered by that kindness as well. And it's actually led me to making friends in random places, rather than trying to control and dominate and be aggressive and things like that, that would have chased away a lot of these friends, my life is better for having been empowered and taking ownership of that kindness as well. So what are five things that people say about you as well? And are you integrating those five things or not? What does that look like for you? So this has been the wine master exercise or the sommelier exercise that I run people through. And people find it very valuable to then take this approach and say, well, I, I have these skills, I have this unique history, and I have this, this, this natural way of being that I am. And put them all together and understand that anytime you're in a situation that it's just looking for a chance to use your natural skills as a wine master, your natural history as a wine master, your, your natural way of being as a wine master, to collaborate with people. And then every situation that comes to you is just an opportunity for you to bring your best to the table to help others and add value through collaboration. So that's it. That's it for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are not subscribed already, please consider subscribing to the Substack. I do release um, subscriber-specific material on a monthly basis. And at the moment, um, if you caught the last episode that I did, I did an interview with a very experienced um, coach, Jason Olivier. And he actually gave me his top 10 things, the top 10 skills that he thinks leaders should have. And of course, the skills are mixed up with a leader should be this or a leader should do this. But his top 10 things of what leadership is. And just on clarity on that, I think it's a very big idea that you don't have to be in a leadership position to identify with these things. Because the fundamental truth about leadership is that the world needs better leaders in every sense of the word. Not just business, but community as well. But families as well. Friend groups as well. The, the world needs better leaders. Deserves better leaders. You deserve better leadership as well. And leadership starts with yourself. Empowering yourself in the right ways. Because right now, the types of leaders that we have are the people who are conditioned to you know, most leaders, let me just say that, in my opinion, are people who are conditioned to believe that they need to take control of situations. And so they're not necessarily the best leaders, but they're the people who do step up because the others aren't necessarily empowered to lead better. So that is, in my opinion, the way that we drive the future forward. So if this all resonates with you, consider subscribing. 
consider subscribing and I'll see you in the next one.